0: Jesus, thank you, Lord. God, we just want to say thank you to you today for all that you have done, Lord God. Lord, for the, all the things in our lives, Lord God, that you've given us. Lord, for sunshine and for rain, for green grass and trees, and, and God, for everything you've given us, Lord. So often we take for granted the things that you've given us, Lord. And Lord, today we want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for giving your life upon the cross for us, Lord. Lord Jesus, that you rose again, that you, we have the victory in you for anyone who calls on your name. And God, we, Lord, we just want to surrender as we lift our hands this morning. We, we just say, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us, Lord. Help us to see life through your eyes, Lord. Help us to love one another like you have called us to love. Lord, help us to understand the fullness of your love for us. God, we just are so grateful for all that you've done for us, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those who don't know you, Lord. God, we pray that you would help them to understand your love, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it's not by any great thing that we have done, but it's simply because of your love, your grace, and your mercy that we can be saved. I thank you, Lord, that that's true for us here today and for every person that you have created, Lord, that you love them and that you are for them. You gave your life on the cross for our freedom, Lord. We praise you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Welcome, church. It's great to have you with us. As someone said, the youth especially, great to have you guys with us. And uh, I hope you have a great time. If you're feeling a little sleepy because you stayed up too late and say, ha, turn to your neighbor and say, ha, told you to go to sleep. And you're allowed to give each other a gentle elbow not too hard, Um, if you get sleepy, I'm sure you won't get sleepy, no no one ever gets sleepy in church, do they? No, 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 praise God, I'm digging myself a big hole, and I'm going to move on. As someone said, we've been looking at the book of Exodus over the last uh, six weeks, actually seven weeks, because we had a week in the middle there with Peter Mickelson, and we didn't look at Exodus, but uh, we've been looking at Exodus, and the story of Exodus, for anyone who's not familiar with it, is really uh, God spoke to Abraham that everyone on earth, all, all the peoples of earth would be blessed through him. God made a covenant with Abraham and then the de- we hear about the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's name is changed to Israel and then we hear of uh, his descendants and Joseph, you know the one with the, the fancy coat that his brothers didn't like and he gets thrown in the pit and sold as a slave and, and all the stuff that happens to Joseph and then he dies And then we start the book of Exodus, and it's sort of the the history of God's people, Israel, the descendants of Israel, um, that are in Egypt, they're slaves for 400 years, but then God raises up Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, and uh, we see the plagues and all those crazy things happen, and then they leave Egypt, and the Egyptians give them all their wealth, it says, because they say like... We just don't want you here, we want to be free, uh, we're going to die if we try and keep you any longer in this place, so go, take our stuff, be gone, and they leave, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, and then God parts the Red Sea so they can walk through the sea, and I think we've got a picture of it, oh, just a beautiful photo, isn't it? Sorry, that's a really bad joke. Um, and can you imagine though what it would have been like to actually be there on that day, to, sit, to see a sea part in front of you, and then a whole nation of people walk across. And then just as they get to the other side, those whom God is bringing judgment upon, the waters crash in upon them. It would have been a horrific sight um, to see those things on that day. Uh, So this is the story of Exodus that we've been looking at. And if I can say, I think the first half of the book of Exodus... A lot of people know the basics of what happens in the first half of the book of Exodus. There's lots of movies about uh, the first part of the book of Exodus. But then we sort of get halfway through. Maybe you're doing a Bible reading plan, and I encourage you to do that. But, uh, you know, you start to get a little bit um, behind, maybe, and you sort of get to the second half. And I've got to say that I think some people get stuck in the second half and kind of think, "Uh, lots of instructions and laws and things I don't understand. I'll kind of skip past this. But we're not skipping past the second half of the book of Exodus uh, in this series. Um, to be honest, the more I've read about it and read through it over the last few weeks, I feel like we should do another ten weeks on it. Uh, but we've got three, three left, <laughs> three left on the book of Exodus. And uh, actually, I'm not finishing a series this time. It's some of the youth that are finishing our series for us, so that's cool. Um, looking forward to that. But uh, today, I really pray that as we look at the the instructions, the the commands of what God spoke to His people, and also in the next couple of weeks about the tabernacle and the things that God spoke to His people through that time, that we would see the beauty of what God was doing, that we wouldn't just see a book of crazy laws that we don't understand or things that we sort of uh, scratch our head and go, well, that's interesting, um, but I just pray that we would really understand what God was doing and that we would truly see the beauty of what God was doing and establishing and his love for his people. Um, that's that's my prayer and my hope this morning. So let's open our, our Bibles. If you've got your Bibles there, we're going to open up to Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to read together. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church, uh, even if it's a phone one. I can't handle reading my Bible on my phone. I, I do, and situations when I don't have any other phone, any, any other Bible, but I uh, encourage you to bring your Bible to church so you can underline things, circle things, let it be something that you treasure and, and, and really understand. I've got, I've got different Bibles from different periods of my life and they're, they're different Bibles that I can find, different things that God spoke to me uh, through those parts of my life. So Exodus chapter 19 and it is on the screen if you haven't got it there. So before we do go into it, um, so the people of Israel have crossed the Red Sea, they've gone kind of, instead of going straight to the Promised Land, they've gone down, and we see they're down at Mount Sinai. You found it? Where's David? He had a laser thing last week. I don't even... yeah, we're down here today, Mount Sinai. There we go. That's cool. I've never done that before. Thanks, David. (laughs) So, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai, where I just pointed... After breaking camp at Raphidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. So this picture there's bags everywhere, there's pillows and suitcases, and well, there is over there. Um, the youth have illustrated that really well this morning. A whole nation of people are camped here at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And this morning I've tried to, as we read through this, Hopefully you can sort of see that dim mountain in the background, because you can see Moses goes up and down this mountain a lot of times. But Moses climbed up the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant... You will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For, my, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, We will do everything the Lord has commanded So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Up we go again. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said, and then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow, and have them wash their clothing. They've been traveling and maybe camping for a while and we get a little stinky sometimes when we're camping. Sorry, no, none of you smell the guys. You're beautiful. Verse 11. Be sure they are ready on the third day. For on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. Sounds a little harsh, but let's keep reading. So Moses goes down the mountain. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds and a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down to the people, he consecrated them for worship and they washed their clothes. He told them, get ready for the third day and until then abstain from having sexual intercourse. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. A dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. They were afraid. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of a fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of, the, of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries, to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. The title of my message today, I've decided to call it God's Holy Commands. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to... Take notes when you're in church. Write down the things that God's speaking to you. Not just what I say, but what God's speaking to you this morning. God's holy commands. And point number one this morning, I think we've got to realise that God obviously loves hiking. God must love hiking. The amount of times he's told Moses to climb the mountain, come back down the mountain, go back up the mountain, come back down the mountain, I think God must love hiking. And I say, Amen, God. And a uh, shameful plug, if you're a, a guy, we're having a men's hike next year. <laughs> Come along, join us. Um, I think it's, when are we, April? Anyone remember? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, that's not my first point, actually, to be honest. God loves, maybe God does like hiking, but God loves to speak with His people. God loves to speak with His people. And to be honest, God could have spoken to Moses anywhere at all. He could have spoken to him down the mountain he could have spoken to him halfway up the mountain he could have spoken to him on the top of the mountain the whole time and said just stay here moses just stay and hang out with me and then go down when i'm finished talking but god spoke to him and called him up and down and up and down and up and down now for us we know the holy spirit has been sent for us that we can have the presence of god with us wherever we go that god can lead us by his spirit that he can speak to us by his spirit but I want to suggest to you that maybe we need to position ourselves sometimes to hear from God. I wonder how well we position ourselves to hear from God. God called Moses to come up the mountain. I wonder if God would have spoken to Moses if he just stayed down the bottom of the mountain. I wonder how often God calls us to say, Hey, come spend some time with me. Come read my word. Come and pray to me. I want to speak to you, I love you, I care for you, I I, I love you and I want to help you in this situation you're going through. And His Spirit's with us everywhere. He can speak to us wherever we are, in the car, at school, at work, wherever we are. God can speak to us and He does. But I just wonder sometimes if we miss the voice of God because we do not position ourselves and and follow the promptings of God to hear what He's saying to us. You know, yesterday the, the youth guys did the Amazing Race I've got to say, it was a whole heap of fun to to watch and uh, I didn't have to run around, which is kind of cool. I just got to hang out and give out clues and things and uh, it was great fun. But uh, the, the amazing race would be no race and no adventure and no fun at all uh, if you didn't listen to the clues and follow the clues. And if you didn't go looking under windmills. Did you find them, guys? I hope no one cheated. Everyone got them, did they? Yep, they're all like, of course we did. Uh, <laughs> The Amazing Race wouldn't, it wouldn't be an event, adventure if you didn't listen to the clues and follow the clues. And I, I've got to say, life with God, I think, is an adventure. And he, he calls us to come follow Him. He calls us to listen to His voice. He calls us to, 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 to read His Word and to study His Word and understand what He's speaking to us today. And to listen to His call and follow Him today. It's not just a, a, a one-time instruction and I'll meet you in heaven. God wants us to listen to His voice. And God loves to speak with His people. That's point number one this morning. In verse 4, God says to Moses, that you've seen what I've done. You've seen what I did in Egypt. You've seen the plagues. You've seen how I, I carried you out on eagles' wings, He says. In other words, it wasn't by your strength. It was by my strength, God says. I wonder if we've seen God move and if we've seen it's Him that's carried us through challenging times. I've got to say, just as I say that, I just think of Pat as I say that. And just being down at the hospital on Wednesday and seeing Pat. And uh, she's telling me about the book she's writing and how she's, she's just, 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 just the same old Pat. She, she's obviously pretty weak. But just the strength of God in Pat. We have seen the strength of God carry people, even if it's not ourselves. We have seen God move in people's lives through the most difficult of circumstances. God strengthens us. And God says, you've seen these things. And if you will listen to my instruction, if you will listen to my voice, if you will obey my commands, Moses, and my people, you will be blessed. You will be blessed, my people, if you obey, if you listen, and if you'll follow my ways. And then it goes on to chapter 20. And I'm not going to read all of it, but just to summarize, we we read that God speaks in chapter 20, it says then God gave the people all these instructions and it gives us the Ten Commandments. And just to summarise those Ten Commandments, He says, I am the Lord. You must have no other gods before me. No other gods except me. No other gods are true but me. He says, Second Commandment, you must not make an idol of any kind. You must not worship any other thing. Because to be honest, if we do, we're worshipping something that's just going to perish and fail us. Nothing else Satisfy like our God. The third commandment he says, Do not misuse the name of the Lord, do not misuse his name. Fourthly, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The fifth commandment, Honor your father and mother. The sixth commandment, You must not murder. The seventh commandment, You shall not commit adultery. The eighth commandment, You shall not steal. The ninth commandment, You shall not give false testimony. In other words, Don't lie. <laughs> Tenth commandment, you must not covet your neighbor's house, wife, uh, what did I write there? Servant or any other thing that belongs to them. We, we should not desire and want to have all the things that those around us have. We, we, we should not covet other people's things. But if I can just pause for a moment and say, I think this is actually where people can get confused. I think people hear about the Ten Commandments and they go, oh yeah, yeah, I know about the Ten Commandments it's, uh, they might be able to list off three or four of them, probably five, like don't steal, don't lie, don't kill, don't, don't commit adultery, and it's like people generally kind of can remember five or six maybe, and lots of people don't go to church, know the Ten Commandments. But I think sometimes this is where the confusion starts, that people think that the message of, of, of Christianity is that if you obey the Ten Commandments, you'll go to heaven. But that is not the way to heaven. No one can fully obey all of God's commandments. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever not honored your mother and father? Have you ever not... Maybe I'll stop there. <laughs> we have all broken God's commandments. We, we have all broken it. It doesn't matter if you've broken one little command or if you've broken all ten of them. If you've broken His commandments, we deserve judgment. And the judgment, the Bible says, is that we will, be, we will face death. We will face separation from God, which is hell. And the Bible says judgment will come on anyone who breaks God's laws. And we're not to presume that it's just about being a better person. It's not just about doing more good than bad to earn our place in heaven. And if you've read the whole Bible, which hopefully some of us, at least most of us maybe even have, if you haven't read the whole Bible, I want to encourage you, I want to give you the challenge that in 2020... Aim to get through, maybe even say, i want to get through at least half the Bible. If you've never read it before, maybe you can even make the goal, say, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year. We've got the Bible plans available up on the back table. I think they're there already. I I encourage you to read through the whole of Scripture, to understand the context of your faith, to understand the hope that we have. And if you've read the whole Bible, you you understand that we're under a new covenant, that we're no longer under the Mosaic law, the, the law that was given to Moses. Um... And you're kind of like, well, we're not under that anymore. It it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. We don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments, Andrew. We're we're under the New Covenant. And that's a wrong assessment of things too. Um, We can't earn God's forgiveness, and we're not saved by obeying His commandments, but we can't think of them as irrelevant either. We come to Him in faith, and Jesus said in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's wrong for us to say God loves me, Jesus died for me, so I can just do what I want now. And to be honest, I think that is the attitude of some people. God God will forgive me, God loves me, He won't judge me. Jesus died for me, I know all that, I can do what I want now. But that is a totally wrong attitude. And we can even say, oh, we're doing all these great things for God, so God must love me, God must be going to forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for people. But if you've never acknowledged that he is your saviour, that you are a sinner that needs his grace, you're in a bad place. First, we must come to him humbly. We must say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. It's not about doing good things for God. It's about saying, God, I'm sorry for what I have done. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to turn away from my sin. And I'm going to come follow you. It matters what we do. It's point number two today. It matters what you do. Romans chapter 6 puts it this way. He says, "Well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace?" Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Then skipping down to verse 12, "Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you are dead" but now you have new life. He's talking to those who've already put their faith in Jesus Christ. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, Since sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, you have become slaves to righteous living. I wonder if we can say amen to that, if that's a testimony of our lives I want to ask you this morning who is your master who is Lord of your life when you get up in the morning is it just I've got my own agenda I'm just gonna do my own thing today or is our life truly in his hands who's our master day by day do we just go about our day and do our thing or do we come to him and say Lord you're my God, you're my Saviour, lead me today. I think life goes so much better when we, when we take that moment each day to say, God, here I am, use me, show me, lead me. It may even be a prayer that quick, but who's your master? Is your life in His hands or are you just doing what you want to do with your life and you say you know Jesus died for you, but really you're living like your own God still? Who is your master? Who sets the agenda of your life? I want us to think about the, the context of what was happening at this time when God gave the Ten Commandments. Moses and the Israelites, have come out of Egypt. They've been in slavery for 400 years, where Pharaoh was treated like God. He was worshipped like a god. And God brings his people out of Egypt and he's saying, this isn't the way you're going to live anymore. This isn't the, the, the way of Egypt is not your way anymore. It's not about just trying to get more power so you can have more authority, so you can have more slaves and, and try and make yourself and your own life good. He's setting up and establishing the terms of his kingdom. He says, I am your God. In other words, there is no other gods besides me. Don't look to any other person, any other thing to, to give you life because it will fail you. Your life will face destruction if you make anything else your God besides me. Have no other gods besides me. He says you won't find life anywhere else. Don't make idols. You can make a golden calf, you can make a golden statue, whatever you want, but it's not going to help you. And if you do, well, actually don't, because it's not good, he says, remember the Sabbath, which... I think really, is about realizing that he is our provider. We can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can work our hardest and, and try and gain a, a, a great life for ourselves. But we've got to realize that no matter what we do, he is in control. A stock market can, can crash, a, a, a famine can come. Anything could happen in our life tomorrow, and God is sovereign. He knows what's happening. He is our provider and not what you can earn for yourself or what I can earn for myself. He is our provider. He says, don't misuse my name. And I think we often sort of think about that, we sort of think, well, it's, it's, that's when people say Jesus' name in vain or, or, or they say God's name in a, in a wrong way and I, that's that's true. But I think even more so, what God is saying is, don't misuse my name, don't don't do things in my name that are not things that I am calling you to do. Don't, don't, don't try and be an ambassador for me and then do deeds of darkness. Don't misuse my name. Don't, don't misrepresent my name. And I think that now that is a bigger challenge. But it's God's calling for us. He wants us to represent him well, to be ambassadors of Christ on this earth and the next six of the Ten Commandments are all about our relationships with one another. You know, God is establishing His kingdom. God is establishing His His ways amongst His people. He's He's brought them out of Egypt. He's drawn them out of darkness. And He wants them to live in His light. God wants them to to know His ways. You know, God's ways are for us to get along. Everyone said, Woo! That sounds good. Preach it, brother. I I like the idea of getting along with people. And you know, that's God's desire, is that we love one another, that we care for one another. And over the next few chapters, it goes into detail about the commandments. And I heard someone talking about these the the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like the Constitution. And then you have the laws that are built on the Constitution. And and God's kind of expanding over the next few chapters about how, how they can outwork these things in their lives. And He says, you know what? If you've got slaves... Or if you've got workers, the Sabbath isn't just for you. It's for your your slaves as well. And you've got to let them obey the Sabbath. And and God's laws were to give all people rest. And he says, you know what? If you've got someone that's ended up in slavery, you've got to set them free after seven years. You can't let someone stay in that place. And and God's laws were all about having his people live in, in good relationship with him and with each other. Jesus, when the Pharisees came and and challenged him and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all the laws? Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And I hear some of you say, well, why the heck didn't he just say that to start with? <laughs> Anyone ever thought that? Maybe you haven't. All the law is based on these two things, love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. But God's people have been in, ca- in captivity. They've been in a, in a nation that worshipped a pharaoh. And God got specific. He explained what that looked like for them. But I want to say to you this morning, that the, the foundation of all of God's commands, love is the foundation of every one of God's commands. And if God is speaking to you about something and you feel challenged, if God is speaking to you about something in your life and He wants you to give it up, if God is speaking to you about doing something for someone, you know that the foundation of that command is love. If God's calling you to do something, it's about, it's about you knowing His love, and it's about you helping someone else know His love. And if you're ever called or feeling called to do something and you you, you filter it through through those two things and you think, this is not loving, this is not kind, then you've really got to pray and say, maybe this isn't God. It's the foundation of every one of God's commands. God drew His people out of Egypt so they would know Him and learn His ways so that they would be blessed. You know, God's plan for us is that we would be drawn out of darkness, that we would know Him, that we would understand His ways and be blessed. You know, God wants to be with you. God wants you to do life with Him and not just hang out until you reach heaven. God doesn't just want you to endure earth so that one day you'll be with Him in heaven. He wants you to do life with Him. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to know His presence with you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit so you will be empowered to live as he wants you to live on this earth. As I said in chapter 21 to 24, it goes through the details, in instructions for slaves and freedom and marriage and justice and, and all these other things. But in Matthew 5, we see that Jesus says, no longer do I say what the law says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He says, I, I, I don't say, say just don't hate, don't, don't murder your brother, I say, don't hate your brother. Jesus says, I don't just say, don't commit adultery. I say, don't look lustfully at another woman or another man. Jesus said, Jesus, I, I, I haven't come to abolish the law. Jesus didn't come to, to get rid of the law, but to say, follow me. This is my way. He took it even further and said, love your neighbor. Don't hate your, don't hate your enemy, love your enemy. Love is the foundation of all of God's commands. You know, as we read through the detail of God's commands for His people, I think we can understand that God is concerned about every detail of our life. As we read through and see the detail of His commands to His people, we can say, wow, the God of the universe who created all things cares about our lives. He cares about your relationship with that person at work or at school that you're just struggling with. He cares about the detail of your life and He wants to lead you and guide you. You know, I think the most amazing thing about this is that God's, God, God has also spoken and promised that we wouldn't just be directed by those Ten Commandments written in stone. But as we read through the Old Testament, we hear that God, is, God was talking about a day that was coming when He would not just give us Rules written in stone, but he would write those laws within our heart, then he would take away our old, stony heart of sin and give us a new heart with new and right desires, that we would be led by His spirit, that we would know what His spirit was calling us to do, and that we would joyfully follow His commands. You know, in Galatians chapter three, it talks all about how the, the law was like a uh, I've forgotten the word a yellow letter. That's not the word I was trying to think of, but it, um, a guardian. <laughs> so uh, when, you're, when you're a young person and uh, you don't just get to do what you want all the time. Hang on, I should look. This way. Does anyone ever get to? No, I won't ask. <laughs> we don't just get to do what we want whenever we want when we're a kid. We have guardians. We have people that look out for us and look after us. And in Galatians, it talks about how the law was God's guardian for his people. In other words, the law stopped his people doing things that would have harmed them. The law was given so that would understand that it's not good to worship other gods. It's not good to kill each other. It's not good to commit adultery. It's not good to steal and kill and, and lie and deceive each other. It was, it was the guardian that helped them understand God's ways. And, and, but the coming time... Was when God's people would no longer need that guardian of the law, but they would come under the, they would be filled with the Spirit. And if you've, it's almost like a a maturing, it's an understanding of God's love for us. We now no longer obey Him because we have to, we obey Him because we want to. When we realize God's love for us, we no longer have to just do it because the, 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 the Ten Commandments tell me I have to. We give our life to Him and say, Lord, I want to live for You. I want to live Your ways. And it's a a beautiful thing. Jeremiah 31. I sort of read this from verse 31 to 34. It says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. And that time has come, by the way. (laughs) This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors, who I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instruction deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. What a beautiful picture. I want to live by by the Spirit and not by the law. I want to be led by the Spirit of God and, and joyfully obey His commands not just because I read it and, and it's a law so I have to do it. And you know, to be honest, if we're struggling and reading the Bible and saying I've got to, I have to do this, we need to ask God to reveal His love to us again and that our heart would desire His desires. I'm going to ask the band to come. I, want to fi- I just want to finish by asking this question. Will you surrender to God's law of love? Have you surrendered to, to God's law of love? Do you do what you do for God because you feel like you have to? Or have you surrendered your life to Him and said, God, I give you my life and I want to live for you. And each day as we wake up, if that's our desire, God help us to say, God, this is your life. I want to live today for your glory. I surrender to you, Lord. Lead me and guide me for your, for your plans. Use my life even my death for your glory, God. Psalm 119, which I've read a lot of times in the last 18 months. Psalm 119, verse 32. says, I run in the path. Have we got it there? I run in the path of your command, for you have set my heart free. I run in the the path of your command for you have set my heart free. I don't follow his commands just because I have to. Can you look that up for us to I run in the path of your command for you have set my heart free. I want to follow God. I want to live for him because he has set my heart free. Not because I have to earn God's forgiveness, not because I, I should, but because he loves us and it's the best way to live. You know, life with God is an adventure. And sometimes it feels like we're going up and down the mountain and all over the place like crazy people. But let's live. Let's follow God's Spirit's leading. Let's, Let's hear His commands. Let's hear His call. And joyfully follow Him. Because He joyfully gave His life for us upon the cross. Let's just pray together now. Thank you, God. God, I just pray today that you would help us to be different from the people of Egypt Lord, God that you would help us to be different from the people in the world around us Lord who so easily just strive to try and earn a good reputation or have a better life or earn your forgiveness even God God I pray that we would be different that we would see your love that we would know your love for us and God that we would just surrender and say Lord have your way in me well, God, we just thank you for the, your care about every detail of our life. That God, just as you spoke to your people in, in the wilderness, it's Mount Sinai. God, you want to speak to our hearts and lead us in, in every detail of our lives. And God, I just pray that you would give us open hearts and minds to your spirit to hear what you're saying. That we would humbly surrender and follow your plans for us, God. Look, Jesus, I just pray for anyone here today that that they've never acknowledged their sinfulness before you, God. They've never said, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. They've never surrendered their life to you, God. And I just pray in this moment, if that's you today, that right now I just encourage you to say, God, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You know, if that's your prayer if that's your desire if you want to repent you want to turn away from your sin you don't want to live as your own god or your own boss anymore if you acknowledge that god is the, the true and living god that he gave his life for you and that you want to make him the lord of your life you know the bible says that the moment you do that your name is entered into the book of life that you will receive an eternal eternal life with him that you are forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for anyone who's making that decision today. We just thank you, Lord, that you see their heart, you know their thoughts. God, we just thank you that all the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes home, one sinner repents. God, we just ask that you would lead us all on for your glory. For your kingdom's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.